Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Glory Glory Man United podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kyle Quinn. And joining me today is Nigel. Good to have you back on the show again, Nigel. Thanks, Kyle. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to be here and good to talk about uh, Manchester United, as always. And uh, there's lots happening. And, and finally, we've made our, our first signing of the summer. So, first of all, I'm going to give my thoughts on, on Mason Mount. Um, my my uh, monologue might be a bit long-winded. Uh, and then you can uh, give your response. So it was quite telling that uh, Chelsea fans online and on the radio are extremely unhappy about this transfer. Uh, he was the first Chelsea Academy graduate um, to, to establish himself in the first team since John Terry. Um, who's a firm fan favourite. And uh, Rory Jennings, who's a prominent uh, podcaster and he, he's a radio show on TalkSport, um, he's a Chelsea supporter, and he says the the fans are extremely angry about this with the club uh, and with the player himself. Obviously, none of that matters to us as United fans, but it does tell you how much of a good player he is and how valued he was at Chelsea. Um, the player himself, um, I think he epitomises everything Ten Hag wants in midfield. He's energetic, he presses, he'll be involved in, involved in the counter-press, um, he gets goals and assists. I watched a, a video of all his goals for Chelsea. You see lots of variety there, uh, left foot, right foot, taking the ball off defenders on the edge of their own box, slotted in the corner, scoring free kicks, um, being there for pullbacks and topping it in, and gets all kinds of goals from inside and outside the box. Um, he... I'm expecting him to get 10 goals and 10 assists for United this season. He's proved he can do that already in the Premier League. Um, so overall, I'm, I'm, I'm very satisfied with this signing. Um, Casemiro and Eriksen, as we know, we're, are 31 now. Mason Mount's in a different age bracket. He's, he's 24, and that's what we need to need to look at. We need to start building long-term. So what's your thoughts on it then, Nigel? Well, I'm, I'm very happy about the signing. Any signing at the moment would be good, but we've signed a Champions League winner. In fact, I recall that he made the goal the goal in the final. And he's a forward-thinking player. I don't think he, he wants to think about defence at all. And obviously, uh, Ten Hag's done his homework. He, he knows about his period in Holland. And as you say, the, 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 the podcast that I've listened to in the sports programmes, particularly at night, shows how unhappy Chelsea fans are. This guy's a classy player. What I want to is I love his free kicks. It's a long, long time since we scored. You called it recently. We got a goal from a free kick. And Bruno can't keep taking these ones when he's not hitting the target. It needs to be in pre-season training. Let's let's have a look at that. And on the tour of America, etc. Let's have him take a few free kicks, get his confidence back, take a while, obviously, in a new team. But I'm excited for the signing. He, he's, he can play various positions and even he can play wide if need be. So he's a right-sided player and we certainly with left-footed players playing on the right. So uh, if need be, if players aren't playing well, uh, say Anthony, for example, let's 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 try him out in the right and bring Ericsson on as well. Obviously, Ericsson will be impacted by this. Mount's going to start most weeks and he's good enough for Ericsson to come on and have a cameo half an hour gaming in and gaining out and play him only periodically now and again in matches in Europe, maybe against the lesser teams. But we can talk about that later, about who the mayor may not draw in Europe. That's that's another reason why I'm happy about this signing, because finally Ericsson will be able to play the role um, that was meant for him uh, last summer. Uh, he, I think he was supposed to come in 
uh, and be like a backup to, to Frankie de Jong. He ended up uh, being a, a frequent member of the starting eleven. And as we know, he doesn't have the energy or the legs to play th- twice a week. Um, and this signing will allow him, like you say, um, to come on as a substitute to change games. Um, allow us to rotate in certain games, play against, play against kind of the lesser opposition or in uh, European games. Um, yeah, so that's a, the fact that Ericsson can now not be overutilised is, is another plus um, in terms of the signing. You mentioned the free kicks there. Um, like, just like with Ericsson, how many free kicks is Bruno going to allow Mason Mount to take? That's the problem. It is big problem. I'm hoping he can take corners from both sides as well. That would be another... Uh, thing that would be very useful because we're, we're very predictable. I often say to you and others that why bring our centre-halves up here because we're not getting the decent quality of ball into the middle to be attacked. The ball needs to be attacked and if it's floated in at the right pace with somebody who knows how to do it, we could start scoring goals in corners. I mean, it's it's vital in the top league to, to not have all your, your eggs in one basket. You must have variety and quality in all parts of the pitch. Yeah, quite often we rely on... L- Luke Shaw to take corners um, and sometimes he's playing centre-back. You're having your centre-back taking corners. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. Can you imagine Pep having a team talk when we were playing City and if that's still happening he'll he'll manipulate that and we'll be exposed. It's, it's, and Shaw isn't always the fittest of players. He can't get back from both sides of the, the pitch and end, as you say, back to centre-half or left-back. It's a weakness and they'll expose it. Yeah, um, you, 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 traditionally you'd want your centre halves in the middle, you know, not not, not taking the corner. Um, but it's good that Luke Shaw has he's provided a lot of crosses and, and free kicks for like Casemiro to get on the end of, and hopefully uh, Mason Mount um, can do something similar. Um, yeah, so like you say, he's a versatile player. He can play on the left. Yeah, he can play as a number ten. He can play as one of the number eights. It'd be interesting to see. We're expecting uh, uh, the first choice midfield will be Casemiro, Bruno and Mount. It's interesting to see what position they're playing in. We fully expect Casemiro to play in the deepest role um, at number six. Um, are Mount and, and Bruno going to be like roaming eights? Or is like one of them going to be at number 10 and one of them going to be slightly deeper alongside Casemiro? You could probably uh, change it up. You know, Bruno could play number ten and Mount could play number eight, and then they could swap them around depending on who we're playing. Because we've seen last season, there was a few games there towards the back end of the season where Bruno was playing alongside Casemiro, and he was spraying the ball left and right. You know, like that Scozzi used to do. So it certainly yeah. provides us with a lot of uh, options there, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And let's see what happens on the tour. Kind of, he'll be able to experiment and try out different things, and uh, depend what time different players get back at different times, whether they've played international football. But as early as possible, let's see what what we make of the first choice midfield and take it from there. But it's an exciting time. It's something different. And boy, the days of McTominay and Fred, we have to have better than that. Mount is much, much better than that. And he'll score more goals than both of them combined in a 38-game season. So I'm really excited about that prospect. Yeah, he absolutely should. And he's much better on the ball than those two players that you mentioned. Um, just, I mentioned there what's in the, the, the compilation of his goals for Chelsea. Uh, and one, there was a lot of them that, that really stood out. But one in terms of his ability on the ball, I, I think he scored against uh, Porto in the Champions League. And he just spun away from the defender and then hit the ball like an arrow into the 
bottom left hand corner. That was a magnificent goal, wasn't it? Yeah, you sent me that link. I really enjoyed that. That it got got me excited again. I mean, you just can't wait. We're sitting here what five weeks out, but at least on MUTV we'll see all the we'll see all the preseason friendlies there covering all that. So I always like a, you might play Copel Manor and a few of them if others aren't available. And I want to see uh, exactly why he's been retained and Iqbal is gone. I mean, Iqbal spent twenty games on the bench and didn't get a chance by Ten Hag. So Ten Hag's made a call there and let him go. Uh, some media speculation that there was a fallout between the manager and, and Iqbal. I don't know what you've read on that, but certainly he, he's dispatched them like he did with Garner pretty quickly, you know. Well, we can only speculate about what happened, but uh, if there's certain players in training, uh, young players in particular, who are not not pulling their weight or slacking off in training, and the manager will notice that. And um, I suppose established players like uh, Rashford, um, who were who was famously late for training on mm. dropped against Wolves, um, he will obviously be retained. But if like a young player who's trying to make a good impression um, is shown ill discipline uh, when it comes to training, then that'll put the manager off the player. Um, unless he's an exceptional talent, like, I think Garnacho preseason last year. Um, yeah. I think there was there was a. He turned up late a few times and uh, yeah, the team meetings. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And. Even inter-squad stuff, he didn't turn up at the right time. So it meant that the manager's preparations were knocked out. So he, he was called into the office and told very clearly he'd have to knuckle down and wait. And he did have to wait, to be fair. The manager was, was the same way. He, he took that uh, choice of dealing with Rashford, even though he was scoring goals for fun at that stage. And then, of course, he came off the bench and scored. So And, and Rashford didn't think anything of it, thought the manager was right. So if the, the players have respect for the new manager, they, they didn't have... A lot of respect, as we all know, for the previous two incumbents of the managerial role. So this this is a good sign that things have to be run properly. Yeah, if uh, Garnacho is an exceptional, you know, as some might say, a generational talent. So that's why Ten Hag stuck with him um, and and gave him a five year contract. But um, we have been told um, by reporters that Ten Hag will only give youngsters. A chance in the first team if he believes that they've got a very high ceiling, um, and we've probably seen that. Uh, you know, he doesn't give certain youngsters chances, and on others he does. Um, so if he believes they can make it to the very top, then he'll persist with them. And others like, um, Iqbal, um, and even uh, Ethan Laird, and they've just been sold on on a permanent basis. So he uh, clearly does not have any faith in them. But I just read quite recently that, uh, which was uh. A bit unexpected that uh, Tin Hog is a big fan of Palestri and wants to retain him. Um, he certainly didn't seem that way last season with the lack of minutes that he was in. I know I was most, you know, my feelings on that I couldn't understand, especially with Jaden Sancho off his game as much as he, he was. He, he played far too long and far too often when his confidence had gone. He played the odd good game, Kyle, but you had Palestri who wanted a game, wanted to prove, and for whatever reason this season, he, he just didn't give him that opportunity. And I, all the podcasts that I listen to, uh, everybody seemed to be the same as, as you and me, that Palestri didn't get enough game time. Well, it's going to be fascinating to see um, which one is retained and which one is let go in terms of Ahmad and Palestri. Because mm-hmm. like I've said in previous podcasts, I don't think there's room for both of them in the squad because they play the same position. Um 
so we whatever one he favor maybe they'll get preseason um to prove to the manager uh, which one he should he should uh, have his Anthony's backup this season um and then the other one maybe ever loaned out or, or sold permanently um yeah. we'll get on to a wee bit more of that um uh, later in the show in terms of Armada, there's a discussion around him, and that's been ongoing uh, during the summer. Um, yeah, so we've been able to take advantage of the fact that uh, the upheaval at Chelsea with Todd Bowley coming in. Um, now they were handing out contracts to the likes of Koulibaly and uh, Abangyang, like for three hundred grand a week, whereas Mason Mount was apparently sitting on ninety grand a week, um, yeah. and they were offering him, you know, a very modest pay raise. And then he probably had Tin Hag in his ear, you know, um, telling him how great he was. Come and play for me; you'll be a star in my team. And obviously, he was he was swayed by that. And I think what Chelsea have actually done is offered him a big contract when he had one foot out the door. Now, famously, that happened with uh, Carlos Tevez. Whenever he was eventually <laughs> offered the deal that he wanted, he was already gone. So it's nothing more Absolutely. than a death. Absolutely, I think what happened to Chelsea was that. Uh, Mason Mount and Reese James were very close, grew up together, and they give a huge pay rise to Reese James. And mm-hmm. Mount's agent went in or rang the club and said, well, I, I want my player on the same terms. Uh, they're equally as important. I mean, Reese James is in the fullback line, whilst Mount, as you say, was scoring goals and, and really playing at the highest level, Champions League, and yet they didn't meet that. So I think after that, I'm led to believe he just said, I, I want out. I'm not staying. They don't respect my talents. They're not putting me on the same level as my mate, Reese. That so happens in football. They talk about it. You know, it's like Luke, Luke Shaw talking to Mason Mount when they're away from England and things like salaries and contracts all come up. It's just human nature and footballers. And Chelsea didn't handle that well. So hopefully he'll come to a club where Ten Hag knows his background, wants him there. Mason Mount wants to play for our club and we only want players at our club that want to play and win things with us and he obviously does. He hasn't peaked yet. Remember, he's only 24. We've got uh, we've got five years of this guy getting better and better and if the fans love him, he'll know what it's like to be loved at Old Trafford when he comes onto the pitch and he'll, he'll play all the better because of that, Kyle. And another fantastic thing about this is that he's Tin Hag's first choice signing and um, like quite often in the last 10 years, We've had to settle for third choice and fourth choice because we weren't able to get the the first choice for either they didn't want to come to the club because um, they were in the Europa League or whatever reason it was. Uh, we had better offers from Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. Um, and, uh, but now Ten Hag was able to get the, the pair that he wanted in that position. Um, and, and that's pleasing. Because um, he, he played in Holland for Fatize. Um, yeah. And because of his performances there, he really stood out. Ten Hag wanted to bring him to Ajax or Ajax, as you would say. Yeah. Um, and uh, he would. He decided to bring him to Old Trafford five years later. Um, so he's a player that he's been watching and sees him as an alternative to De Jong. And thankfully, we won't have to put up with that saga. Um, as two summers running. Um, so I'm very, very pleased about this, and I'm expecting big things. Um, now quite often we say the player might need a settling in period because he's coming from you know, a European league yeah. or a South American league, but he, he shouldn't need that at all. He should adopt by very quickly, shouldn't he? Oh, he should, yeah. He's got, what, 129 games already for Chelsea, and he's only 24, uh, knows the, the big atmosphere of a London fixture, so he's now he's coming down to Manchester, and when he's involved in the heat of a United-Liverpool game, he'll want to prove that he's at that standard. So I'm expecting big things from him in games like that. 
Yeah, um, and hopefully this is only the beginning of our, our, of our summer business. Um, I am slightly concerned um, that we're going to sign about three players at, at the most if this mm-hmm. ownership continues to the end of the window. Um, and I think if we, the next player we sign, that'll probably be our budget gone. And then after that, we'll for, to make a third signing, we'll have to rely on, on selling about three or four players. Um, and that's obviously important no matter what because there's too many hangers on this club. Um, too many uh, substandard footballers, as you would say. Um, you know, you got your McTominay, Fred, Maguire, Martial. You know, you've you Dean Henderson there, who's who who is a bit of value to him. We need to move these players on, um, and then it'll raise a, a lot of money and will improve our quality of our squad at the same time. I'm quite happy to get rid of six players and bring in three. You know, because our squad's squad's very very bloated as well, isn't it? No, it is. I'm the the, the problem is, Kyle, we're, we're no better at selling players than we are at buying players. And uh, I just thought it was ironic that the, it came up on one of the screens today about the Alessio Russo for the women's United team, who the United were offered big money, I think 500000 at one stage, and they wouldn't agree to that. Now she's, like, like has happened in the men's game at Old Trafford, she's moving across to a bigger club as she sees it and getting a contract there. And we got no money, she left on a free. So... If this, if and when, and as soon as possible, the club's taken over by whoever, let's get some of these guys behind the scenes weeded out and get some fresh blood and people who know how to deal with negotiation and scouting properly. Well, just like Old Trafford on the training ground, it's been very, very under underfunded and neglected. And that's what, what's happened to the women's team as well. Glazers do not want to fund the women's team. And um, that's why their facility facilities have been a shambles. They're not paying the wages that the other women's teams do, like Arsenal and Manchester City and Chelsea. So this is why we lose the top talents in the women's game as well. Yeah, yeah, it's got to it's got to be changed. It needs new new blood at, at management levels within the administration. But that'll happen when they're taken over. The people that have been sitting there for years, coaching along, I don't think will be there. Say, twelve months later, they'll probably do a contract. Uh, closure bit and get paid off or something like that, but it needs sorted out. Till we get we're we're sitting around watching Liverpool and and City and Arsenal buy players with no difficulty at all. And uh, thankfully, it wasn't as protracted as last year we've got right now. But it still took two or three bids and the media going mad. When's it going to happen? Is it going to happen? We don't want our club involved in that sort of protracted minimal negotiation. It should be the the biggest club in the world that we believe we are should be making things more easy for ourselves to get signings done early and get them into pre-season t- training, get them on tour together to play together. Last year, you remember how late the last three signings were made? It was ridiculous after they'd lost a few games in the in August. Yeah, we, we famously lost 4-0 to Brentford uh, and, and Casemiro told his agent, don't worry, tell them I'll fix this. And uh, he <laughs> certainly did. <laughs> he certainly did, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's good to get uh, uh, our first signing done and dusted because imagine if we'd got to the 4th of July Independence Day and there was no signings at all. It wouldn't have been an absolute shambles. Um, so we need to move on now and uh, get to the next one. Now, um, uh, we presume that a, a striker and a goalkeeper is going to be going to be a priority because, of course, um, the players were back for pre-season yesterday, Monday, and... There's no David De Gea because he's out of contract. He's not employed by the club anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, now, 
I'd be fully supportive of this player. I think he's on honeymoon with his new wife. I think I'd be fully fully supportive of this player to get a testimonial, but I do not want him to get a new contract because I think, you know, he's been a great servant, but I think the game has passed him by now. The top teams have goalkeepers who are brilliant uh, at coming off their line uh, and with their feet, um, and he just doesn't. Like Ten Hag has given him every opportunity to to produce that new skill, but he hasn't done so. Um, so I think, and even now he's making like the one thing that he's good at is uh, the shot stopping, and he's making errors with that too. So I think the time is right now um, just to let him go. Uh, and bring in a new goalkeeper. Um, I think that's what United are trying to do. I think the, their opening offer for the Inter Milan keeper, Onana, who of course has worked with Ten Hag before, um, it's a common theme, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's 40 million euros. Um, now, again, United, this is United being United. I mean, they were told that it would have to be at least 50 million euros plus bonuses. And United's opening offer is 40 million euro. It's just the, the same old, isn't it? It's just yeah. kind of... They frustrate the process. It's a tactic that doesn't work. They've tried it a dozen times. It just doesn't work. And the, the Fellini was the worst of all. The 27 million offer before for both Leighton Baines and, and uh, Fellini. And then they end up panicking at the end of August and paying the whole 27 million on Fellini, who in my view is a fairly average footballer. We weren't taking the better footballers than that at Old Trafford. Yeah, that was the beginning. We thought that might have been just a one-off, but that was the beginning of the embarrassment under under Ed Woodward. Um, now, I think, I believe that Ten Hag may look at alternatives to Onana if we're priced out of that one. I think, eventually, we'll come to an arrangement because Onana wants to join Ten Hag and Manchester United. Um, so I think that one will eventually get done but um one of the alternative names been linked is the Farnoid keeper who who's played a number of times for Holland um now the pronunciation's obviously right his first his first name is Justin and his second name is uh Bielo, I think I, I'm sure I've got that wrong um someone and might be able to correct me on that but he's a young goalkeeper who is part of the Farnoid team who won the Eredivisie last season and he's a Dutch international under Ronald Koeman so he might be a cheap alternative um, to to Onana if we're not able to get that one over the line. But I think we will. Um, 50 million plus bonuses um, for a top keeper, who's probably the best in the world with his feet. It's probably a reasonable reasonable amount of money, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. He's a very self-confident player too. He actually believes that, he, that he's as good as people make him out to be without being overboard. He's a wee bit eccentric. A uh, little like Bartes was all those years ago, but uh, the discipline that Ten Hag has within his squad now, I'm sure they'll they'll work on that. And, and without doubt, he could prove to be a top quality keeper. And you, as you say, we need to move on. We definitely need improvements. I don't believe that uh, Varane and and Lisa playing in front of De Gea. I think it just was going downhill, and they didn't know, as you quite rightly say, he wouldn't use his hands to fist the ball he wouldn't come and they don't know what's going on behind him that's no good you need a steady back four with a good goalkeeper and then you move on up the pitch and get that right yeah and opposition teams target him um, whenever uh, De Gea is in possession with his feet they, they push up um, and time put him on the pressure um, when, when corners come in the big strikers or, or defenders kind of stand in front of him to try yeah. and block him um, from coming off his line. I don't know why, because he's not going to come off his line anyway. Um, no. But 
they, they feel they can get at him uh, and intimidate him, um, and that's been a a theme for a lot of the the twelve years, especially at the start uh, on at the at the end. Um, so it'd be great to have a self confident goalkeeper with with such ability. Now he's going to improve our play. Um, uh, the goalkeeper Onana, he, he likes to he, he like like we, we've seen in in, in Gaelic football, players like uh, goalkeepers like to come off their line and get involved in the play. Like we'll see that from Onana as well. Um, yeah. And he can spray the ball out to a winger uh, left and right too. Um, and he knows when to play the right pass at the right time. Um, he just won't do it for the sake of it. Um, but we probably will see the odd occasion where he'll try to nutmeg a striker and he'll get caught out. Um, mm-hmm. But as long as the the, the the good outweighs the bad, that's the, that's the important thing. As long as he's a big improvement on what De Gea has to offer, then it'll be a worthwhile signing. Um, now, the other position we need to, to strengthen in is obviously centre-forward. Um, mm. you know, if we had our way as fans, that would be the first player to come in. But that market is proven very difficult. Um, there isn't many top-class strikers out there that are available. Um, the names obviously being mentioned are Keane and Oshiman. Um, we're going to be priced out of both of those. Um, it, it doesn't seem like either of those strikers are going to be on the move this summer, given the sums that are being quoted. Um, especially Oshiman, who's been like... They're like Napoli are demanding 150 million euros, and because that that um, striker with at that level is so rare, you can understand why they put their price up um, to that amount. Um, so that doesn't seem like a gore at all. So this is why we've been linked with uh, you know young strikers with a lot of potential, like uh, Rasmus um, Hodgeland, uh, the Danish striker, um, being the number one target. Um, again. They Atlanta put their price up massively, and um, with United are not going to be willing to meet that. Obviously, they're going to have to come away down, and um, for a deal to be struck there. But I would, all, if we're going to look at the likes of him, a twenty-year-old Danish striker, he hasn't played that much football. Mm. We, could, we should also look at someone like Ivan uh, Ferguson, the the Irish striker at Brighton, because he's played a, a probably a slightly less football, and he and, and he's and he's eighteen, obviously, but he's got that Premier League experience, albeit only a small amount, and he's only score goals. So if we're going to take a risk on, on a striker from Syria, I don't see why we shouldn't take a risk on a, on a young Premier League striker. Oh, I agree totally, and 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 Ferguson has played five games for the Republic too. And not looked out of sorts in an international level, and he looks like a genuine guy who can both score with both feet, and he's a good header of the ball. Kyle, you get him young enough, but he has just signed a five-year contract, so I wouldn't imagine that he would become available the next summer or in this summer. But I could be wrong. Probably, unless United are so desperate in the last week of August, they they offer Brighton seventy million pounds and. And they, and they accept the offer. Probably what would be quoted anyway, because, like you say, he's got a he's he's got a five year contract, and uh, t- clubs know we're desperate. They know we're desperate. That's why um, everybody knows Man United need a striker. So when Man United come calling, the price goes up about about thirty or 40, 40 million, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, called the English tax, they're calling it. But uh, what about the fella, the striker that Mark Robbins ha- has at Coventry? If all goes wrong and those top players just won't leave the club or, or we're outpriced, would he be a possibility to come in and, and see how he would get on? Anything's an improvement on Martial. He certainly scored a lot of goals and had a lot of assists for commentary. I can't remember his name. Kyle, okay, that comes to you. Uh, the Swedish striker you're talking about. Um, yeah. uh, Victor uh, G- G- 
<laughs> I can't yeah. pronounce that. That's somebody will have, remember it. <laughs> yeah, somebody will have to help me out. Um, yeah. His name is Victor uh, Diorcus, something like that. Um, yeah, and he, he, he was at Brighton Hove Albion uh, for was. three years, but he's, uh, he was on loan at Coventry and now he's there uh, on a permanent basis. Um, yeah, and he, he scored... 38 league goals for Coventry, um, and he also has 14 caps for Sweden, including three goals there. Um, certainly worth be be worth a punt because, you know, we need to get we need to get a body in, um, someone, um, and the best if we, if we can't get the best the best strikers in Europe who are in their prime, then we should rather than go for someone in their 30s. Um, or someone like Vagkors who's just not at this uh, at the level required. We should just yeah. take a punt on a, on a young player who might be able to, who might who might get better. Um, so yeah, somebody is better than no one. And I don't want to go down the like I say the Vagkors route, the the Agallo route. I'd rather no. just take a take take a take a punt on a young twenty year old with potential. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And if if we spend the money on the goalkeeper. I don't think we'll have the money left under those rules to actually pay upwards of 80 million plus for a centre forward. So we're going to have to look elsewhere and he's an option from what I can see, you know. Maybe 18, 20 million, you might get him for that. So I mean, that's more in the ballpark with the restrictions on finance that's currently in tow at Old Trafford. Yeah, if if we just get someone um, to tie us over to next summer and then with the new ownership in place, hopefully... We could look at getting an Oshman in for big money, yeah. or we could get Harry Keane on a free transfer next summer as well. That would be an option. Yeah, definitely. Or if things don't go well between now and January, would would uh, Daniel Levy say I'll have to get something for this player rather than let him go? You know, you wouldn't know what would happen. So I just think you're not going to see uh, Harry Kane leave Spurs from what, what from what I gather now. You know. Yeah. I... I was saying this on the podcast with uh, Brush is that he's more valuable um, to Spurs than the money. Um, one season with Harry Kane is more valuable to them than eighty million pounds. So this is why they're not willing to let him go unless there's a an extreme offer that comes in. And um, because how are you going to replace Harry Kane? How would you replace him? He couldn't. He really is that good, and he's just not a, a guy that scores goals. When he comes back and lays the ball off, he can create. He's got a football mind. I'm very impressed with his record. Brilliant for for one club. What he's done since he signed for the club, you know. Yeah, um, he is so good. But like, we've got Mason Mount. If we signed Onana, um, and then Kane as well. So if it was Mount Onana and Kane, that would probably be enough to mount a, a title challenge, even against Manchester City, because Kane is just going to for the yeah. amount of chances that we create. Like he's going to get about 30 goals in the Premier League. Oh, without a doubt. And Bruno is a very good man for fighting people at the back post and the near post. Bruno, when he's in top form, his delivery's magic. Harry Kane scored lots of goals from Bruno, crosses, etc. You know? Yeah, definitely. And penalties. He, he, he doesn't miss many penalties either. Oh, um, yeah, so he would get, he'd get pl- plenty of goals um, for United if he came in, but it doesn't seem likely at the moment. Now, our fourth... Um, biggest priority this summer is apparently a backup for Casemiro and um, a player being linked with that is Sofyan Amrabat uh, who played for Morocco in the World Cup uh, and when they got to the, the semi-finals um, he, play, he currently plays for Fiorentina who of course played 
against West Ham in the Europa Conference League final. Um, and he was he was magnificent in the World Cup uh, for Morocco. And the idea of him coming in and being a backup to Casemiro, he's 26 years old. Um, I think he was born in the Netherlands. Yeah. He looked. He really he looked. I know the world, you can't always judge people um, on international tournaments, but he looked very impressive. Um, and if he was available for a very small fee in around the twenty twenty five million mark, to get someone in there um, to provide cover for Casemiro, who can sometimes get suspended, as we know, then that would be valuable. Because we keep coming back to it, Man City's bench. Um, Every one of them would get in. Every would get in the other nineteen teams in the Premier League. So we need to be having a very strong bench, don't we? Yeah, we do. And but I agree with you about that guy's talent. I remember him in the World Cup. I was amazed at his technique and his quality on the ball and his delivery very early. Didn't hold on to it too long. If he saw somebody up front move, he found them. Very, very good quality player. And that sort of money, if you can possibly get him in, I get him in. Yeah, but. Like I said earlier, every other club will be quoted uh, twenty million. United will be quoted forty, um, mm. and that's always a problem. Yeah. Um, we need to we need to shake off that reputation of being pushovers, and that was that was developed under Ed Woodward. Um, whenever we're charged too much, we need to walk away. Like Manchester City have done so many times. Like Manchester City walked away from signing. Alexis Sanchez, Maguire and Fred, and then we were mug enough to go in there and do those deals. And I wish that City had won those races to, to sign those players. So, so do I. So do I. It was tragic, those signings. Absolutely. Well, Fred Fred is now 30. Let's hope Fulham come in and make that offer. And, 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 and don't quibble over $5 million. Let him go and get that money, and we'll use that later in the transfer uh, market for bigger players. I mean, uh, Henderson, when are Forrest going to come in and, and get them if they want them that much. So that's fairly quiet at the moment. I, I suspect Maguire's on his holidays and uh, it won't be till he comes back with his agent and Ten Hag tells him the way it got through to De Gea. Uh, Harry, you really haven't got a future here at this club under me. Uh, if you want to keep playing for England, feel free to go and, and see if you can get another club. It has to be. He has to be told that. He's hanging on there. But Kylie's on huge, huge money. And he may be greedy enough just to sit there and be happy to play the odd game, but he won't play for England next year, I don't think. Yeah, I, that's why I don't think you'll see Harry Maguire go to Saudi Arabia like a lot of players are doing, because mm. he'll probably lose his spot in the England team. And we know that's very precious to him. You know, yeah. he, He's very proud to play for his country. Um, so I don't see that happening in the immediate term. Now, the signing of Amrabrat is apparently... Being linked to the potential seal of a, of a Fred or a McTominay, he would come in to replace one of those if they were to go out. Now, F- Fred it seems as if um, Fulham are interested. Um, United want twenty million and they want to pay a ten. Maybe they'll come to an arrangement where the the play the pay uh, fifteen. That would make yeah. sense to me. But I think oh, McTominay is more valuable. Um, United could potentially because of his age. Um, and and how well he plays for his country, yeah. and he can get he can get goals if he's played further up the pitch. That he could go for thirty million. Um, now it's no surprise. No, we've seen the likes of Newcastle and West Ham being linked with him, but also Roma now have been talked about, and that's not a surprise because Mourinho, if you remember, was the one who brought McTominay into the first team and is a fan of the player. So, yeah. um, if, if if we get thir- offered thirty million for Scott McTominay, I would I would take the money immediately. So would I. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and the friend thing. Let's let's get it done quickly. There's no movement. We're not, you know, and and is it because people just think, oh, we'll wait until the last week, and they know United don't want them on the payroll anymore, and they might get these players cheaply. Let's get some money for them. I mean, they've been gone. Some of them have gone through, like McTominay, through the academy, and the club spent a lot of money on. And as you say, he's an established Scottish international. That that must make him a thirty million signing, in my view. I would have thought. Yeah, I would think so, given the going rate for, for, for a lot of players at that level at the moment. Um, and if United can't uh, do a deal for a goalkeeper, I still think that's an unlikely scenario, then they're going to have to look at uh, giving Dean Henderson another chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely think that it's plan B or plan C at the moment, though. Um, but assuming it all goes to plan and we get Onana, Again, we could get thirty million pounds for Dean Henderson, I think, from Nottingham Forest. Well, that would be great. But let's move it on. But of course, he's injured. He's just he's back in training, isn't he? He's just. But it, it's is it September before he's able to play first team football? That might stall some offers for him. I think you know. Yeah, I think he's doing very basic training at, at the moment. Uh, that's why I understand. Um, so it looks as if on on the tour, as things stand, Tom Heaton is going to be the number one goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. Interesting Jack Butler today who's gone to Rangers and he was certainly blowing up the hay and what he learned from watching a seasoned professional goalkeeper and all the rest of it. But uh, you and I, as we've discussed earlier, he's come to the end of his Old Trafford reign and we need to get him replaced as ASAP. Definitely do. Yeah, I think it makes sense for everybody to move on. That being said, if he, if he goes... Uh, to somewhere else in the Premier League or, or Europe, he's going to have to take a, a significant pay cut. The only way he's going to get, you know, big money, I think, is if he if he decides to go to Saudi Arabia, like a lot of players are doing at the moment. Um, but we'll wait and see what he does there. Uh, I just think it's time for us to, to move on from today. We appreciate everything that he's done. Yeah. But, you know, it's a bit like when Real Madrid parted ways with Iker Casillas. He was a legend at the club, but this club, no, Real Madrid know when's the right time to let you go. And they got it absolutely spot on. So uh, Absolutely. But, Kyle, one of the legacy of, of David De Gea is the payroll issue. That was a big, big mistake, given a goalkeeper. Imagine a goalkeeper earning 375000 a week. Now, they didn't qualify for the Champions League, so that dipped. The only only brackets got 286000 a week last season because we were in the Europa League. But they're very close United to coming out and saying they finalised a five-year deal with Rashford. And the figures are astronomical. A five-year contract, and they're talking about maybe three fifty for him, just a little below to him. That means that if you're going for that guy Osiman and Napoli and Harry Kane, they're they're going to have to be on the same level as Rashford. So they're creating that problem for themselves. So they need to be careful. That three hundred fifty thousand a week is an awful lot of money in this day and age. Yeah, uh, it's too high in my opinion. Um, yeah. But. When Rashford is already on uh, 250 mm-hmm. and he's performing better than he than he's ever done, then the only way is up in terms of his salary. So I'm not surprised he's gotten this high. Um, but for me, it's it, it, it's far too much. Um, um, they maybe should have given him another season, see if he can replicate what he did last season or do even better, and then offer him the big money. Um, but then they don't want to risk um, Rashford leaving the club on a free next summer. That would probably be a disaster, given that in today's market, Rashford is probably worth £100 million. Yeah, he would be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how much is Jadon Sancho worth then, in your view? 
Well, according to Chris Wheeler in the, the, the Daily Mail, he did like a, a spread on the, the players that United want to get rid of, as many oh, as 13 yeah. players. Yes, and I saw he, that. He showed all the figures. Yeah. yeah, he showed all the figures and, and Sancho was 45. Well, I thought was very, very low for a player of his age and, you know, potential that, he, that he's got. You know, United paid £73 million for him. 45 is a very low figure, but I have to say, if we were offered that, you'd have to consider it, wouldn't you? If it... Well, I'd take it, definitely. I mean, uh, the figure reflects that he's no longer in the England panel and in the England squad. He doesn't play well enough in the Premier League to be a member of, of Southgate's England squad. And I thought he was going to be a superstar. Just that doesn't happen. But I could go over my 50-odd years watching this club. There's maybe 20 players I could name who came to the club and just couldn't hack it. It just didn't work for them. So you have to move them on. You know, and that money would well, what we could use that money and on top of the what's left to buy a, a, one of these strikers at these dear rates because that's the glaring omission is the centre forward and we need one very very badly. Yeah, we certainly do. Um, but like I said, it seems like it's going to be a, a young player in that position. Um, I tell you what, I, I think I know what your views on this will be. Um, now if we only sign one striker. Um, and especially if that's a, a young player, I have a feeling that um, Martial will be retained um, as backup, and I'd be happy just to move him on. But uh, but I could see Ten Hag retaining him, and especially his wages are so high. Um, his he just he, he's not he, he he isn't worth the, the wages that he's on. So no club is going to offer offer him that kind of money. So I can see him sitting there until next June. Yeah. You see, he's one year left, going into his final year, so he, no way he, he could get another contract. But as you say, and rightfully so, nobody would buy a guy who turns it on when he feels like it and can't retain his fitness. I think he played or was involved, Kai, in 25 out of the 62 games that we played this season. I mean, that's just scandalous, as you say, for 200k a week. And he, he just didn't seem to bother when he wasn't, when he got a wee knock, he would sign to the, the touchline he wanted to go off. I mean, he's just, you can't have players like that running through the team. You want everybody playing. You can't carry passengers. And he's been a passenger for most of the eight years he's been at the club. Yeah, um, he's had about two decent seasons. Uh, the first one and then the the lockdown season. Um, and and we know where we, it was a nineteen twenty season where we, we, we finished the season behind closed doors. Um, people called him NHS Martial because of the the badge in the middle. Now <laughs> that that period on the, the his first season, that's the only time he's played well, in my opinion. Um, I don't uh, think there's any fans listening to you tonight would disagree with you. I I've never come across anybody who thought he was worthwhile to retain for another season. But you can't get rid of guys who are sitting there quite casually on these big wages and and they don't put in the effort. I mean. He flattered to deceive in the pre-season on the tour last year, and then he got injured, and that was the end of him again. So all the, all the pre-season plans with Sancho playing off him, I remember, and uh, it just couldn't happen in the Premier League because Martial wasn't there. Yeah, and he had a slight run on the team in, in March, April and, and May, and then again, he was gone. He didn't make it to the cup final because he got injured again, um, same as Anthony, so... Um, he cannot be relied upon. Um, 
but I can you can see him being retained for another season because nobody will buy him, nobody will want him, and they're not giving the wages that he wants. So I think he late leave on a free agent uh, next June. But there's absolutely no way we can start the season with him at number nine. That would no. be a total disaster. No, no, no. He doesn't make the runs. Doesn't get any. Where's number nine shirt, Kyle? He doesn't play that role. He drifts out to the left where he started eight years ago. And sure, we already have Garnacho and Rashford coming off the left. He's just a waste of space. Shouldn't be anywhere near the first team. Yeah, there's some links here um, from Turkish clubs are interested in our players. Um, Galatasaray are supposedly preparing to start official uh, contacts for Anthony Alanga and Alex Telles, and that would certainly be welcome. Um, also, uh, Fenerbahce um, are set to have a meeting with David De Gea's agent, although I suppose David De Gea is not really an United player, so we're not getting any money for that. Um, no. But yeah, there's continuing links with Amrabat, uh, Amr- Amrabat um, the, the Moroccan international who plays for Fiorentino. Uh, like there's multiple uh, media sources in Italy now reporting that uh, he's United can have him if they're willing to pay the money, and he would certainly want to join. But I imagine that would be, uh, like I said, a fourth priority at the moment. Striker and goalkeeper has to come next because they are absolute key signings, in my opinion. I'm sure everybody would agree with me on that. Um, Yeah, so Rashford, um, the the contract for me is is too much. And like you say, um, Bruno Fernandes could look, if he plays really well next season, he could look at that and go, well, why am I not getting paid that money? He you could, know. he could, yeah, definitely could, yeah. Look at his goals for and his assists since he arrived at the club. It's it's very, very impressive. Players like that uh, deserve a pay rise in negotiations. It's the others who drift along and just won't won't give the same commitment as Bruno. Bruno would nearly play every game every season if he could get away with it. <laughs> yeah, um, his fitness is like something I've never seen before uh, at that level. Um, yeah, he never, never wants to be rested. Um, I fully expect him to ma- to be made club captain during the preseason. Do you? Yeah, yeah, should have been made earlier, but that's definitely one one decision that uh, uh, Ten Hag won't get any dissension from the fan base. The fan base love Bruno, no doubt about it. Yeah, and I don't think he's any other choice because, um, and it seems as if that's the direction that he was going in anyway because he'd made him the on-field captain when Maguire wasn't selected. So it would be strange if he went in a different direction now in terms of the captaincy. But I wouldn't be surprised at some point if uh, Martinez is club captain in the future. No, no, no. What what a start he had. Fabulous first season. So, so badly missed in the FA Cup final. Yeah, and he's back in training as well. So that, that's a massive plus. Any, um, any word of Anthony's injury? Will he come back and then be fit to go on the tour or...? Is he still under medical treatment abroad or what? You haven't heard, no? I do think he's back at Carrington, but I don't know if he's he's participating in uh, full training or not at the moment. Uh, I shouldn't think that... I don't think his injury is that serious, so you, you would expect him to, to be there on the on pre-season tour. And you mentioned um, uh, Kobe Menu. I think the manager really rates this player. Um, he's given him the odd start. Um, he's brought him on as a sub, even though he's only, he was only 17. He jumped ahead of the pack in order in, in terms of other players in the squad. Uh, you know, even Garner or Iqbal and Savage, you know, he jumped away to the head of the queue. Um, 
and I think Tin Hag uh, does have him in his long-term plans. Now, I don't expect him to play 25 games next season, but I do expect a slight increase on, on in his game time because I think uh, Tin Hag has made it clear, even in interviews and press conferences, that uh, he rates this player and thinks he's got a he's got a big future. Yeah, I've I've seen him on MUTV playing for the the lower teams, and he looks a classy player, very good on the ball, very swift. Uh, probably like other players coming through, he probably needs to be worked on his actual physical fitness and build up his body. But the potentials there, without a doubt. You could see um, in League Cup games, for example, or even um, if we're playing uh, Menus in, in the Champions League, which is probably unlikely, maybe someone in pod four, um, maybe someone that's you know, beatable, let's say. Um, maybe Casemiro could get a rest. Um, and Menu could could deputise for him, or even the, he could play alongside Casemiro and learn from him in in one of these European or League Cup games. Could you see that, that happening? Yeah, I could see that happening. It would be a very clever way of bringing him on and, and and involving him. But he was involved in the squad training for maybe the last two or three months. So as you say, he's definitely uh, one for the future and got great potential. Yeah, and I, I, I hope he makes it. Um, every time. I think every every fan at every club loves to see um, academy players uh, come come through, um, and United have a long, long tradition of bringing through young players. Um, we still uh, have that record in place of having an academy player in every match day squad since uh, nineteen thirty seven or something. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy right. record, isn't it? Right. Even I wasn't born then, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, the other one coming back who may get a look on, on the tour is Alvaro Fernandez. He played 43 games for Preston, and I, I was impressed before he even went alone. I thought uh, he, he knows what the game's about, and he's fairly, fairly physical without out being uh, brutal with tackles, but very good coming forward. He could work with Luke Shaw, and, and, and uh, seems to be a good crosser of the ball, which Shaw is getting better and better at. It's another one you might see in the tour. Yeah, um, I'm expecting that, yeah, because... At least at the beginning of the tour, a lot of the internationals won't be involved um, because they've been playing for their countries right up until, you know, the 20th of June or so. So um, they will get uh, more time off. So I think at the beginning of the tour, but we play we play Leeds, don't we? Yeah. And then we, we go out Re- to America. Wrexham. Yeah, Wrexham. Wrexham, yeah. yeah. At least for the Leeds and Wrexham games, I don't think we'll see a lot of the, the players who played for their country in June. And no. uh, and we'll see the younger players get a chance uh, in, in those games. Well, you'll um, probably see Malatia play one forty-five minutes and Fernandez the second. I think that Ten Hag will want to have a look at the guy. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, um, I think he showed great potential both um, as a youth player United and for uh, Preston North End. So um, Ten Hag will be looking to get a look at him and see see what he's all about and and, and make a judgment call from there. Um, Obviously, Luke Shaw will be will be first choice, um, and I think you know that second choice was, choice is up for grabs. I know Malassi is Dutch and uh, and he's a signing of the manager, but so far I've not been you know massively convinced that he's going to be a starter for Man United one day. And he's going to need to improve significantly um, for that to happen. So I do I do think the backup spot at left back is up for grabs if, if Fernandez can can show what he can do. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, so as well as progressing um, incomings, we need to to get a few players off the books as well. Um, 
even even De Gea leaving uh, is a massive saving on, on the wage bill. Three hundred and seventy-five k, like is yeah, it's, yeah. it's an enormous amount of money. Um, we ha- I don't think we mentioned uh, Mason Mount's wage. Now I believe he's on a basic salary of two hundred and fifty thousand, but his bonuses will take him up to three hundred k. Now I'm assuming that will depend on goals and assists and the medals that he wins. And also Chelsea will be entitled to five million if he. Uh, meets all these clauses um, and what, what I've been told by Sky Sports is that if United have to pay Chelsea 5 million they'll be more than happy to do so Oh yeah, it will yeah. include Premier League wins and, and Champions League wins I mean that's yeah. that's, a, that's the sort of ambition we needed our club Yeah, uh, you know if, if he's winning trophies at United and scoring goals um, we'll writing Chelsea a, a check Certainly, will not be something that United will be unhappy about, and so yeah. I think that deal is is very well, very well structured, and probably suits all parties. And um, hopefully, we can do all deals like that. So, not only is his his contract is subject to bonuses depending on performance, and so is the deal with Chelsea. And I think that's very good business, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds good to me. Much much better than we've had before. No doubt about that. I see uh, Ethan Laird, uh, uh, it's got a buy-on clause that United have too, so that if he goes, I mean, I, I was I had great hopes for that guy. He had a few injuries now in his career, he hasn't had much luck, so uh, I wish him well at uh, Birmingham City, isn't it? Yeah, yeah uh, he's left on a permanent deal, uh, just like Zidane Iqbal. Now, Iqbal's salon clause is 40%, I think, so... Right. Um, if Utrecht decide to sell him to a big club for a big fee, then United would get a big windfall there. Um, that's assuming he doesn't run down his contract, then United would get nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ethan Ethan Laird was someone that, I think it was at QPR last season. Now, we wanted to see him get a chance there at right back because we weren't entirely convinced throughout the season of our right back options, but that... that yeah. Um, he didn't come back in January as we had hoped, uh, and now he's been let go on a permanent basis. What are your thoughts on uh, Wan Bissaka? And, and Dalo's got a new deal, and Wan Bissaka is going to be retained because you know he has a skill set that, that not many fullbacks have these days, which is a one on one defending, which is absolutely superb. So, what are your thoughts on, on them two being retained? Well, I would have taken the money for Dallow. I, I I thought we would look elsewhere, but. The, the fact that we haven't got a lot of money to look at the right back, I think it's going to be very interesting. Who's the first league game on on the, the Monday night against Wolves? Who starts at right back? I would start with Van Masaka. Now they both they both have potentially uh, great strengths in different ways. Uh, the only weakness I see with Van Masaka is that if if the danger comes in from the the, the left hand side, he sometimes gets caught. Where he doesn't know that his man or midfielders behind him and they have an easy shot on goal. But he Ten Hag worked with him and he got better and better. So I would start with him. But Dallo, I I I am not convinced. He had a very good spell during last season, and then after the World Cup, Kyle Shrey really went downhill. He was very very poor. So uh, I'm I'm at the moment I I'm a Wambasaka fan for right back at this point. Yeah, I would agree. I'm not quite sure why Ten Hag was so desperate to give Dallo a five-year deal, considering he wasn't even picking him. Like he didn't start the cup final, did he? No, no. He doesn't have that much faith on him. 
Um, yeah. but I suppose he's looking at um, you've 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 horses for courses, as they say. Um, in big games, you'll see Juan Basaka play more, and against the kind of the more lesser opposition, especially at Old Trafford, you'll see Dallo play because we want to get higher up the pitch and yeah. get more more attacking players on the field. Um, so I think that'll generally what we'll see. You know, if we're playing Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, you'll see Juan Basaka in the team or in big finals. Um, whereas if we're playing at home uh, against Wolves or um, Sheffield United, um, or whoever, Luton. Luton, yeah, you'll see uh, Dallow start those games home and away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm sure the fan base is split. I mean, I've heard all sorts of people uh, praise Dallow for this and, and, the, and the opposite for Wambasaga. So it's the dilemma for the manager and that's why he's paid the big money. He'll have to choose who's going to be his permanent right back and let's, let's watch this space, as they say. Yeah, it's it's always good to have options. I'm just not convinced that... I, I think I think uh, Wambasaka is probably... In terms of, the, of a defender, he's probably 9 out of 10, but going forward, he's probably more of a 5. Yeah. Where, is Dallow's probably a six all round? So, yeah. um, ideally, you want you want in the modern game, especially for a top team, you want a full back that is absolutely ten out of ten going forward. And you know yeah, what's, yeah. that's what the likes of Manchester City and um, Liverpool have. So, um, but that has been parked um this summer because of priorities in other areas. Um, so we'll just wrap it up there. Um, thanks for coming on again, Nigel. It's been a pleasure as always. I haven't difficulty with the sound here. I think this battery's going to close shortly just to give you a warning of that, but it doesn't seem to be. You went off completely. Either I couldn't hear what you were saying. You know. Okay, no problem. Um, we're having some uh, technical difficulties. Uh, 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 Nigel's end, I think, is um, his laptop, his, his battery is dying. So we're up up there. Please, everybody, subscribe to the channel and give us a thumbs up on the video and uh, get your comments in down below. And I will see everybody again shortly.